All right, this is the uh, Coast to Coast Combat Hour for the week after Bellator 212, 213, uh, UFC, and, and a bunch of other fights. Heavy December weekends. I'm here with uh, Matt Hawkins and uh, the return of Nolan King. What's up? How's it going, hey, guys? I'm all right. What's up, fellas? Good. So, uh, I mean, we, we, we need an extra pair of eyes, Nolan. And I know you were watching everything the way we were. Uh, it's hard to keep up with everything. So uh, uh, Nolan King uh, writes for Flow Combat, Tapology, and a bunch of other places. Seems to be the way of the, the business now. So uh, so uh, what did you what did you guys get to catch? So I uh, – you don't mind me going first, Matt. Sorry to cut you off. But uh, for me, I had the quadruple screen going at one point. Um, I had Invicta up. I had Bellator up. I had the UFC up. Uh, I would be lying if I said I watched more than a couple seconds of the boxing. I saw like the finish with Canelo, but really didn't watch much uh, of that card other than catching the the replay of the uh, the, the the TKO there. Um, but yeah, I tried to catch as much as I can. I mean, there's only two eyes, and I can only look at one place at a time. But I think that uh, I did a pretty good job uh, considering we had you know four major MMA events and a, a major boxing event this past weekend. Yeah, that was the same way. My living room looked like a Walmart. Uh department store with the i had the six <laughs> i had four four big screens going with uh with about the same thing going on i think I even have the laker game on my uh my ipad so i had uh had everything covered but um you know basically it started friday night uh with bellator 212 uh the salute to the troops event um i i know some people had some issue with the uh the pacing of the event but um from an overall entertainment value of the fights i thought it was a hell of a card um and in this day and age, being a free card, I thought it, I thought it was some solid fights. Yeah, I know. I know Nolan and I also uh, uh, we had commented back and forth about the pacing of the event. I mean, I almost felt bad after because obviously the reason they were doing it was was for the troops in the USO thing, but um, it did feel like I was watching a UFC event on FS1 because of the pacing. And uh, I, I mean, I'm, I don't remember being up past past uh, midnight watching the fights usually. You know, unless I'm there, no one can speak on it, too. I mean, unless we're there covering it, it's usually when we're, we're up later than that. Yeah, usually if we're covering it, that's Krispy Kreme time. That's not – we're not <laughs> sitting in the arena watching fights still. Uh, that was brutal, man. I think that was worse than the, the, the FS1 pacing. You know, I bit my tongue for the first uh, – you know, and it was those first two hours. We only saw two fights in the first two hours of the programming. Uh, you know, obviously, they're, they're paying tribute. They're trying to do a good thing. Um, and I guess, you know, you can't really have too much of a good thing, but at the same time – uh, you know, you got to cut it at some point. I mean, people, you know, you got to weigh that the ups and the, the positives and negatives of uh, trying to promote something good, but then also at the same time turning people off because they don't want to stick around. And and I, I can't blame them necessarily, you know, to see five fights in four hours on, a, on you know, late on a Friday on the East Coast. I know it was start. It was to the point where it was getting late on the West Coast even uh, for that one. So with that being said, I think it was a good event for Bellator, obviously being in Hawaii. Uh, you know, they had stars, you know, Hawaiian stars were born and uh, Liam Lay McFarlane. You know, that was that was I'm not trying to get too far ahead of myself. But overall, yeah. I think Bellator has got to be pretty happy. Maybe they can just learn from the, uh, the the pacing that was going on there. But other than that, I mean, there wasn't much that we could complain about as fight fans from from their two events this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I get spoiled here on the West Coast. I usually get the earlier start time. Um, obviously, it was a seven. It was a, a ten. 
it was more of a UFC start time for you guys. It was a 10, 10 PM yeah. Eastern. Um, normally Bellator is either a, a eight or nine o'clock uh, start time for their, for their larger events. Um, so obviously that that's an issue for me. It wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, I'm used to the, you know, the Fox, like you said, this Fox sports um, and, and it's earlier for me. It's, you know, so it's not like I'm sitting here at, at midnight uh, trying to keep my eyes open uh, through another tribute, but um you know, overall, I just thought the events looked great. I thought the arena looked cool. I liked how they had the, uh, you know, the the I don't know if it's a hula stuff, but the, you know, the the way they had the 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 stage. Oh yeah, set like up. the grass skirt. The fire. There's, there you go. Yeah, all that stuff. I just thought it looked great. I thought it really added a um, a dimension to MMA that we don't get a lot. Um, occasionally, we get it in Japan, um, but in the United States, I feel like we just get so stale. You know, we get great fights here, and it's it's not worth complaining about. Um, you know, as far as that goes, but just the, just the show, you know, uh, you know, obviously, like I said, you know, coming from some of the old school stuff, uh, you know, and even the old school stuff, it's nostalgic, but it wasn't necessarily always over the top, but having the ramp and, um, you know, that was, you know, I talked about going to, to see, I went to the golden boy event. So I went and saw Chuck and Tito. And, um, for me, it was a little bit of a nostalgia, you know, going back, seeing the intro for both of those guys. You know, I went to UFC events when they had the ramp and they'd come out to uh, mask from tap out doing the, the Chuck Liddell intro and stuff like that. So I just think we, we need more of that. And I, I think Bellator did a great job really uh, bringing in the Hawaiian influence. And, um, you know, like you said about the stars, I mean, uh, you know, the first night, AJ McKee Jr., you can't really. I mean, that guy's a killer. I know he needs yeah. to step up in competition, but, um, you know, there's not much much better prospects in the world of MMA than that guy right now. Yeah, not at all, man. I mean, they, they have to give him somebody a step up now. I wouldn't even complain if they honestly gave him a title shot. I know that's a big jump uh, at the same time. I, you know, I think he's earned it. He's proven that he's he's a he's way better than these guys that they're bringing in, the, you know, the 7-1 guys, the 8-1 guys, things like that. So, uh, you know, he, he, I think he's ready to take the next step up. Uh, him and Pitbull, that's a hell of a fight uh, to promote. And, and then yeah. also, you know, worst case scenario, McKee loses. You know, he's still got so much, you know, you can give him that middle ground in between the guy he fought last weekend and a, and a Patricio Pitbull. Like, I don't think that that would ruin his, you know, trajectory or spoil a prospect or anything like that. So if I'm Bellator, you know, I'm at least considering that fight, uh, even though it might be a little bit of a jump for McKee. Yeah, I think it's uh, I, I think it wouldn't be a bad move, but uh, it's probably something they want to look at maybe mid twenty nineteen, <clears throat> only because obviously with, with everything going on with uh, I don't know, <clears throat> uh, the landscape of the sport and and you know the UFC switching from Fox to ESPN and 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 uh, just the way people are watching the uh, people way people are watching fights now, I feel like they uh, they have to figure out uh where their viewers are going to come from before they start making more title fights. So obviously they have the, the welterweight tournament that's going to go through the heavyweight one will be done in January. And uh, Coker said he wanted to do more uh, back in October for when you and I were covering the, the, the end of that tournament, uh, Nolan. So I don't know. I was, by the way, thanks for giving me my, my, my due props for uh, the Coker and Darren Caldwell thing. Um, yeah, <laughs> a lot of, of people, a lot of people didn't, didn't catch, watch that video. Only like 200 people watched it. But, yeah, um, no, I, I mean, I, I thought it was pretty awesome. I, you know, you, I'm sure he got asked the same questions over and over again by people uh, on that at the event you were at. And uh, for you to kind of think outside the box and then not only to, you know, ask that question and get a cool answer, but then have the actual thing that was a little outside the box come true a couple months later. Uh, it's pretty cool, man. You were you were ahead of the head of the curve. 
Yeah, yeah. You know what's funny though? I mean, if you watch that whole video from beginning to end, he pretty much lays out the whole game plan that I, I feel like we're going to see more. I mean, the, not just the Bellator versus Ryzen thing. And I know I talked to Matt about it after uh, after I recorded it. Um, but uh, he talks about doing stuff because matchroom boxing is already with the zone. He talks about doing submission only grappling in the Bellator cage. And, you know, Chael has the submission underground that we haven't seen a, a recent event from them. I wouldn't be surprised if they switched over. I don't, I'm speculating, but what do you guys think? I mean, you think that's a change we could see in 2019? I mean, I think Scott Coker's open to a, a lot more than uh, than any other major MMA promoter has been open to ever, really. Uh, his, you know, his willingness to to take risks. I mean, this is a risk for Bellator. Uh, you know, regardless, I know he'll get a good rematch if uh, Caldwell loses. Apparently, there's a rematch clause, but I think at the same time, it's a risky move. You know, he's not. I don't know how much he's getting to gain out of this financially. You know, I don't know what the terms of this type of deal was, but. Uh, it's it's a bit of a risky move, uh, you know, from a from a fan's perspective, uh, you know, where I don't know necessarily what Bellator really has to gain out of this, but it's opening a whole nother window of things down the line that you know we could have crossovers where rising fighters come to the U.S. or you know all this other crazy stuff. So I give him props. I mean, with the tournaments, with this, the different signings that he made, you know, the, the from the blue chip uh, prospect wrestling prospects to you know Jack Swagger gonna debut in a couple months. Uh, I give the guy credit. He, he goes for it. He tries. He tries to be different. Tries to be fun, and he still keeps uh, you know the whole aspect of fights where he has you know these really top tier talent. You know guys that are top ten in the world as well. So he's got a good balance, and I give him. He's got some balls, and I give him credit. Yeah, I think it's a change that he just you have to do right now. I mean, the landscape of MMA. The bottom line is that viewer viewership's gone down. Um, I don't think necessarily think that the popularity of the sport has gone down, but the, the numbers just don't seem to be there for any any organization in general. Um, I mean, I think the Fox UFC event this week did about 1.8 or something like that, and and that's you know that's pretty pretty paltry numbers for a um, for a for a network uh, event or a network uh, showing of any kind. Um, so I think the cha- I think doing stuff like that eventually you might hit gold, you know, and um, you know Japan's been down for the last decade, decade and a half with MMA, but we do know that when they get behind it, there is money there, and there is you know there is potential for an explosion, and um, you know I, I think that you you have Mayweather on the card if that ends up going through in the next week, whenever you know, on on, on New Year's Eve if that actually ends up and he ends up in the ring, I, I think you're going to end up with quite a quite a lot of eyes and and maybe not necessarily all here in the united states but you start getting asia and, and some people that really could uh potentially start throwing money at something and you know and then on top of that you see horiguchi and caldwell and you know all you got to do is create a big star in japan and and you know that uh there's potential to all of a sudden somebody like caldwell's you know selling out a sixty thousand seat you know say tom arena i mean do we- it's not it's not out of the question for do we do, Matt, do we know where, where that's going to air yet? Or is that, is that on fight TV? No. I know people are, are, people are asking it seems like they haven't said anything. Yeah. I made a post on, on the MMA uh, community forum about two or three weeks ago saying that it just doesn't seem, something doesn't seem right about it. Um, the other events you could buy a month ahead of time, you could buy almost two months ahead of time. Um, and I thought maybe it had to do with them adding a second event. Maybe they were working on the broadcast or how they were going to package a, a pay-per-view price together. Um, and then obviously Mayweather being involved could throw a monkey wrench into it. You know, he might not be so down to have, you know, a, a 1995 pay-per-view uh, with anything he's involved with. Um, even if it doesn't mean anything, he might see that as a price tag for him being, you know, somehow downgrading his, uh, his image. But um, I don't know. Um, 
it's got to, they got to have something. I don't think we can be in 2018 going into 19 with the biggest Japanese event um, in the last. Yeah. You know, I mean, I reached out to, uh, I sent an email to, to their PR folk and, and I haven't gotten a response. I don't know if you've seen anything, Nolan. I know, I know you get a lot of scoop. Yeah, I, I thought I, I thought somebody had, had posted about it the other day on Twitter. I don't really remember what it's what I had read, but I did see something about where it was going to be broadcast or something. But uh, I'll have to, I I can't I I couldn't tell you off the top of my head where what like what I saw. So uh, I know that I guess I, my comments kind of worthless at this point. Yeah, <laughs> I know I know uh, the rumor is Fuji TV um, mm. in uh, in Japan is showing like a five and a half hour uh, block. So the event right now is scheduled to be about a nine hour event. So they're, they're talking, you know, I see that for their live broadcast in Japan. Um, I don't, I'm not as good as some of those other guys on Twitter with uh, the streams and the, and the VPNs and stuff. I think there's a way to order it through a Japanese pay-per-view called like Gaio or Goyo. Or yeah, but I'm like not, that. I mean, but, but uh, people like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, you're not going to people that are going to tune in for this Mayweather uh, tension fight. Aren't going to go through all that to watch. You know what I mean? Like, Mayweather's kind of like a, a general draw for the casual fan. Anyone that hasn't heard of Rising is hearing about it because of this this uh, matchup. I would I would think so. But um, anyway, I didn't mean to get off topic. It's just because I, I mean it's it's literally like 15 days away or whatever. And Speaking and uh, yeah, it really is. Um, I'm gonna be at the PFL thing at the Garden. So I mean, I'm not gonna watch it, but I'd like to know where I could catch it after the fact. You know what I mean? Um, so anyway, the, uh. So many fights stood out from the weekend. I mean, we were talking about Bellator and uh, um, both events. I don't know, uh, uh, fights to make after that. I mean, Liam McGeary got back on the win column on Saturday night. Uh, knocked out King Mo. King Mo talked to, talking about changing weight. <clears throat> um, and then with the welterweight tournament, I know everybody counted Neem- 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 Gra- Gracie out, I, except me. But... Uh, <laughs> But um uh yeah so I I don't know I I think he's a, a new favorite to win what do you guys think I don't think he's a favorite to win but I was super impressed with him yeah. um I I thought it was one of the best you know not one of the best performances but a, a performance that I didn't expect and came out of kind of nowhere and um the it was it was cool to see real jujitsu again kind of being used and I mean his constant threats on uh, from his back was was cool and and I mean I I was the first to say I thought the wrestler would be able to avoid the submissions it, it really didn't dawn on me until i was watching the fight that all these fights are five rounds i know the <laughs> lima korshkov fight uh was um but that was almost like a championship fight because of the guys you had yeah. um so when you when i when i all of a sudden you got into about the second round you start seeing ruth get tired and i felt like okay well this is where gracie wants it to be gracie doesn't have to be super he doesn't have to have a bunch of energy to finish this fight he just needs to get a really good position at some point in the next three rounds whereas ruth basically has to win by knockout or I was, just i was surprised you know. got a takedown though i mean that's that i know usually when you're expect when you expect something different someone does what you don't expect it's easy to get something off i mean uh um especially against really good wrestlers when they go against really good jujitsu guys you'll see this too like at big beginner level like guys that come from wrestling they get caught in chokes a lot so i, I think you're just seeing that at a higher level you know, especially when you see when you look at Aaron Pico's debut fight, and then you look at what happened with Ruth, because Ruth's a blue belt. He's not. He's not like. A, it's not like he doesn't know anything about submissions. I think he's competed in in uh, some grappling tournaments. I've seen highlights on Flow Grappling. So, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, he got those takedowns. So I was I was happy that he won, and I'm looking forward to to the next uh, uh, brackets uh, for the event. But um, 
the uh, UFC event. Uh, obviously, that I feel I don't know if that was under the radar. I wound up watching that and then catching the highlights for belts or after because uh, I'm still fighting off this cold. But uh, what did you did you get to ca- watch it, Matt? Or you had them both going? Like like uh, what did you guys? What fights stood out to you guys? Yeah, I mean, I had everything going. The way the timing kind of worked out, I was able to, you know, eliminate it down to about one or two events at the same time. Um, you know, the for me, it was a Bellator weekend. I, you know, I, I watched the UFC, but I even commented on Twitter uh, on somebody's post that, you know, the, the Bellator fights felt like they meant something, um, at least going forward. Um, the UFC fights, ha- obviously had Kevin Lee won, then we would have probably been looking at a number one contender, or at least right in the mix with that, craziness in the light in the lightweight division um but you know alima lay mcfarland a, a fantastic performance and in a really good fight with letourneau at bellator um javiella stepped up got a big win over frank mir yeah that was um bad. you know machida machida in, in a real close fight with carvalho um it was big for bellator for him to get a win you know i just i felt like you know chandler chandler getting his belt back is one of the faces of bellator i think it's key that he holds the title i think he's a really marketable guy that they could you know if, if there is an explosion or if anything eventually uh, comes you know and and we get to a point where there's a, a a new you know especially with the help of japan um yeah i think he's a good face to have but yeah the ufc card i mean it, it, there was some really good fights you know obviously the main Main two, well, the ones that caught my attention was Charles Oliveira. I mean, I think he's a real underappreciated fighter. Um, obviously, a lot of times when people think he's about ready to take that next huge step, he he loses. But um, the all-time leader in submissions, I know that's got to be close to, to your heart, Ed, but uh, I just, you know, the guy's an animal. I mean, I didn't expect him to do it like that to Jim Miller. I think I thought he would win, but I didn't expect it to go down like that. I mean, he basically did to Jim Miller what Jim Miller did to Gomi and just, you know, just t- tore him up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I, didn't, I was just about to ask you what you thought of the uh, UFC card this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was great from top to bottom. I mean, if you had taken those fights and scattered them throughout, uh, you know, a bunch of other cards and mixed and matched, like there were three or four fights on, on Saturday night that could have easily won fight of the night had it been on another card. It's just they're all competing against each other. I mean, uh, it was getting to the point where it was getting so good. Like we forget about fights like Dan Ige versus Jordan Griffin. That was a really yeah. fun matchup with a lot of transitions, wacky positions on the ground. That was a phenomenal fight. And then uh, the one that ended up winning fight of the night, Jared Gordon versus Joaquin Silva. Yeah. That was a barn burner. And, and the knockout at the end was brutal. I mean, the, the, uh, the when uh, Joaquin got Gordon's leg behind his head and tore his hamstring and his knee up, like there was like just a lot of uh, really gory brutal good stuff that we love to watch in that one so uh that was awesome and then obviously uh you know the dan hooker barboza fight was a war the main event was pretty solid within itself so i thought that was a big win for the ufc uh you know the last fight the last card on fox and then uh you know as mma fans were spoiled because like matt said bellator killed it as well so uh and it was nice too because the ufc was on a little earlier where the bellator card was at least staggered you know what i mean when the main event ended for ufc you still (laughs) weren't watching Bellator could still switch over and see four the four main card or four the top four fights on the card so I thought it was pretty even though I had a lot of TVs and screens going at the same time I thought it was uh my attention could be mostly directed in one place at at this at one time you know what I mean yeah I I I, um the the thing with the uh with that start time and the finish time I um, actually felt like Really, Fox, like UFC, like your last one on Fox, you you figure out to put in a, a better start and end time that's actually 
convenient for once that I'm not like having to run out and get iced coffee to 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 watch the last few fights. But um, the 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 uh, I heard did Dan Hooker suffer a, a, a concussion in that fight or no? Yeah, so that's what his coach said. I mean, I'm sure uh, you know, taking the head trauma out of it, I'm sure his his insides his uh, whew, I don't even know what his body must have felt like the next day, man. I mean. That was some some gruesome stuff, uh, you know. Ooh, I, I can't even. I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> yeah, no, it liver, cool. it was, liver shots hurt. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it was cool seeing Barboza get back on track. I mean, the guy's yeah. an exciting fighter. I, you know, when I, in our predictions, I actually picked Hooker. I thought maybe it was time for a some kind of changing of the guard. I thought maybe the uh, punishment <laughs> that Barboza had taken uh, by Lee and 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 Khabib uh, would would catch up with him. But obviously, I was wrong on that. Uh, yeah, we too. both were. <laughs> one, one of my favorite stats that I always throw at people, and I probably posted it on Twitter a couple times, is like I think Edson Barboza is the most underrated fighter in the lightweight division. If you look at the lineup of the last like dozen fights that he's had, they've been against guys that were in the top ten, top seven, or guys like Dan Hooker that were supposed to be you know the next big thing. I mean, if you look at it. Last 12, I think. Cerrone, Evan Dunham, Bobby Green, Michael Johnson, Paul Felder, Tony Ferguson, Anthony Pettis, Gilbert Melendez, Benil Dariush, Habib, Kevin Lee, and Daniel Dan Hooker. That's a killer's row, man. And, I mean, he yeah. has a winning record among those fighters, too. Uh, he's one of the most underrated guys in the division. Like Matt said, it was it was awesome to see him get back on track because uh, I think people forget how good he is sometimes. What do you think about yeah. him and Justin Gagey? Oh, I love it. I mean, that would be phenomenal. I mean, just... The leg, the leg kicks within themselves would be uh, would just make for an awesome matchup and, and two songs. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, yeah, I think that's the fight to almost make. You obviously don't want to. I just I think you got to, You know, I don't think Barboza is ever going to be champion. I, I maybe if he gets lucky and he gets a last minute call into a fight and sure. something kind of goes his way. But it's kind of proven that when he goes up against a big time wrestler, obviously that's his kryptonite. So I think the UFC just needs to be real smart with that guy. And he can still become a huge star by just the right matchups. Um, you know, it's too bad somebody like Eddie Alvarez is gone because that would have been a good fight. Um, yeah. you know, what and, do, you and, do you like that matchup? Yeah, I, I, that around. I, I think that would be a good matchup and that would, it would make sense. Um, yeah, I don't know. Al's kind of a weird is, you know, it's, <clears throat> he, he's been so inactive, um, sure. that you kind of, it's kind of hard to figure out where he fits in. I mean, if you look at the lightweights, I guess you go if if unless there's some kind of super fight involving, I guess you got to go Khabib and uh, or Habib and uh, and and Ferguson. I mean that's the fight that makes the most sense. Absolutely. Um, Connor Connor Holloway is something that I would like to see. Um, Holloway Nate Diaz is a fight that initially popped into my head immediately after watching it because you know I even you know a lot of people comparing Holloway to a Diaz who kind of takes everything as serious as possible and and you know it's it's like what the diaz could be if they were you know completely yeah but it's hard it's hard to sell a diaz fight now because they always they always say yeah i mean you hear it's it's happening and then they 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 announce themselves that they're not doing it It, i mean especially lately with with the 235 thing so now it's just kind of like you know like like now when you hear their name i feel like it's not going to have the same draw because i mean i don't know maybe they made enough money that they really don't have to fight I think if they fought, I think it'll still be a huge draw. I think if you did like Diaz Holloway in Hawaii, I think it would be a huge draw. Um, uh, but I, I, I don't. But like you said, you can't really. You know, Diaz didn't pull out of the last fight, though. I mean, I think that's what kind of we got to realize, at least as far as uh, as far as Nate goes. I mean, Poirier's the one who technically pulled out of the fight uh, with an injury. So, 
we got to kind of go with the assumption that if something ha- wouldn't happen to Poirier, then maybe the fight would have happened. I mean, obviously, maybe doesn't get a lot of confidence. But, um, you know, uh, historically, he's not known for pulling out of fights he at least signs for. I think the UFC's getting in the in the habit lately, and I don't know, maybe Nolan knows longer than I have, where they're announcing fights that aren't signed. I don't think that does anybody any good. I think that's what we're dealing with right now with Nick uh, Nick Diaz and, and, and uh, Mastoval. Uh, you know, it sounds like the fight's not even signed. It gets to you, uh, Nolan, or it get, the rumors start spreading, sure. and and then all of a sudden it comes out. Well, nobody's actually signed the contract. It's just you know who, whoever starts the rumor spreading the rumor based off of what the UFC wants to happen, but it, or one yeah. fighter really wants to happen. So yeah, yeah, big time. I think the same thing's going on kind of with Covington and Woodley. You see them. Starting to Dana was starting to throw Usman's name out there a lot, and I, I think there's a lot that goes on. But yeah, I, I mean, up until the last year or so, this was not something that I ever even saw like used. You know what I mean? There would be times where contracts would go out, and fighters, it seemed like, would be the ones that were difficult to deal with. You know, they'd get the con, they they would verbally agree to something, and then oh, I end up I can't do it that date, and then it would get pushed off, or oh, I want more money. But now it's the UFC that's the one that's doing it. They're they're you know, it seems like they're shooting contracts off in. To, to both fighters, knowing that one guy said did not agree to it yet, just kind of putting it in front of them, saying, oh, well, it's here if you want it. He, the other guy already signed. Uh, and I even noticed it with the, the lower-level fights. There's been times, uh, a couple times actually in the last few months, where you know I've got enough sources to, to say a fight's in the works, and uh, both sides say, you know, we're not, we haven't agreed on it yet, we haven't signed it, we'll let you know when we sign it, and then the <laughs> UFC will slip it to you know, the Milwaukee newspaper. Um, and then <laughs> yeah. they'll be like, well, we didn't even get our contracts yet. This happened to me two or three times in the last couple of months where smaller fights, the UFC was announcing them, uh, giving them out to the local newspaper saying, hey, this fight's set. And the guys were like, yeah, we, we, they told us we're getting our contract three days from now. Like, so I don't know what, why they're doing it. If it's just if they're just trying to, um, you know, I, I don't know. I guess they're trying to put some pressure on these guys to sign. But it's uh, it, it kind of ends up when it backfires, it makes everybody look bad. You know, the fans don't get the fight they want. The fighters look like they turned down a fight and the UFC look like they lied to everybody. So it's, yeah. it's not a good deal. You know, when Joe, wonder, Sil- I- when Joe, real quick, when Joe Silva was around, he, we obviously gave the old Fertitas and, and Dana and Joe Silva. We always kind of gave him a hard time. It was what we had and we always thought everything could be better. Well, now Joe Silva's gone. Do you think that has a is that a big of a. Is that causing a lot of this? Is there just is the, is the new UFC regime just not good at negotiating with people and and making things happen? I mean, what what do you think the main cause is? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I mean, I think certainly the Lorenzo Fertitta presence leaving seemed like a lot of the practices that the UFC in terms of, uh, you know, fighter relationships and kind of giving guys a little bit more respect when it came to to the business as a whole is kind of out the window. Um, in terms of Joe Silva, I think the aspect of the whole signing process that I would say uh, has been impacted most was I honestly think he was more harsh on these guys in terms of making them sign. Like, if you don't sign this, you're going to get cut. Things like <laughs> yeah. that. I heard a lot of stories from fighters saying that, you know, he would he would totally chew them out on the phone if they were if they even like said, oh, you know, I'm hurt or I can't I can't have to push it off three weeks like that he was a scary guy to deal with and that Sean Shelby was a little bit more of a, a straight shooter in terms of, uh, you know, not trying to, to mess with the fighters in that regard or play mind games. Um, so I, I don't know if that's had a react, uh, you know, the opposite effect where, you know, back, back then uh, Joseph would have had these things, you know, signed because of fear almost uh, to a certain extent. I, I think people didn't really want to mess with him and, and that he was really good at his job, but at the same time, 
Uh, he was somebody that had a lot of power in the UFC and a lot of, of the fighters were, uh, you know, definitely uh, if they turned down in a fight, they were afraid they wouldn't get one for a while or get one ever. So uh, that, that's really what I've heard mostly about Joe Silva. But I think most of it comes from the top down, even above Joe Silva, where yeah. you know, Lorenzo Fertitta has gone and, and that that whole presence is out the window. Yeah, I think that's that that I mean, I wonder if that is what what has to do with everything happening, because like you guys said, like uh, it's something that's we're seeing lately. You know, like like uh, when you were building your sources and, and confirming fights, you didn't have these issues of, of, of uh, is this really happening or not? It seems to be happening lately. And I wonder if it is because obviously the people running the place, the people running the place aren't the people that we're seeing on TV. You know what I mean? Like like I know yeah. Dana, Dana White's the president, but he answers to to Ari Emanuel. And sure. uh, with the ESPN deal coming up, I mean, who knows what type of uh, numbers they have to they have to get preemptively before they switched over to the ESPN. So maybe the Scott Coker actually said that really good line at the Bellator press conference about them uh, uh, wasting all their good ammo or something along those lines. Yeah. So, and I think that's uh, they're like you said they're so worried about pissing off uh, Endeavor or WME IMG whatever they call themselves now. That, <clears throat> along with the ESPN folk, that they're just trying to get all their names, all the names announced to something to to build up the the hype before before we even get to those dates. Yeah, it, it, the other problem that I've seen a lot recently that you know I think it's even obvious to people that don't get you know hear rumblings or rumors or anything is that the UFC used to be so far ahead of the game. Like they used to, they used to have a full set lineup like two two months in advance, you know. And now it's they're they're scrambling for almost every card to get a main event. Some of them are falling off. Some of them are switching to free TV. I mean, they they went years and years without having a pay per view cancellation, and now it's like every other year we have one of those, or or they get moved to free TV. So I think that's part of it too. I don't know if it's too many cards or too many fighters or whatever, but it just seems like that in terms logistically, they're always scrambling. Like there's always at least two fights that get added in the last like four weeks of the, you know, of when a fighter should have camp. So I, I don't know if that's part of it too. They're just planning things later, but uh, definitely that is an issue that I think causes a lot of problems is that they don't, they don't plan far, far off, you know, far ahead enough. Like I, I guess part of the reason they've been doing that is because, you know, they would announce these cards and three months in advance and then people would fall off and get hurt. Same time. I think that's, I think it's better to have a set card and have to adjust than have no set card and have to adjust. Yeah. I, I had the conversation with, with one of my relatives uh, over the weekend about this. And I was, you know, we were, he was, he asked me about the Anaheim card getting canceled. Um, obviously being close is, you know, I'm going to the Bellator event, it's Fedor fight, but, but with the UFC event here being the same night and that getting canceled, he traveled with me to New York when I came and visited Ed up there for my birthday. And the bottom line is if that wasn't vet, wasn't at Madison square garden where they probably paid a huge fee to get the arena, that event would have been canceled. I, I'm convinced <clears> that they, they, if that was, you know, if that was Anaheim, 230 would have been canceled. Um, they, it, so it's mm. just, you know, and, and I, and I was trying to explain to him that, you know, he's a newer fan um, over the last couple of years and the UFC just has done a horrible job of building stars. There was, it wasn't like there was, I mean, there, there's more champions now than ever. So there's not really an excuse not to be able to come up with championship fights. The problem is when the champions are booked, there should be, you know, there should be no reason Ben Askren versus Robbie Lawler couldn't headline a pay-per-view. If you're doing your job as a promoter, that fight should be able to be a headline of a pay-per-view. The yeah. UFC, the UFC sold Keith Jardine versus Rampage. They sold uh, twice. They sold uh, Vanderlei uh, versus uh, 
Franklin non-title fights. Uh, uh, you know, Matt Hughes versus Tiago Alves headlined a pay-per-view. Um, I could go on and on. I mean, it's not like the UFC was built on a huge, you know, but back then they would still get 300,000 views. Plus they weren't doing it, but there wasn't a UFC every weekend back then either. I think, I think that they're overshooting their, their load. I mean, trying to have an event every, every, it's almost every weekend that there's something going on UFC related to the point that even you and I have lately, Matt have, have uh, like not realized something was going on. I think it was like two episodes ago. We were like, wait a minute, that's this weekend. Yeah. But if you think about it, I mean, you had a guy like Keith Jardine headline a pay-per-view. There should be no point where somebody like Ben Askren, if promoted correctly, and I know he hasn't fought in the UFC yet, so maybe he's not the greatest example, but Robbie Lawler, let me throw him out there. Keith Jardine was probably more popular at that point of his career it, it, to the, the mass MMA world, and I know a lot of it had to do with the Ultimate Fighter at the time being way, huge, but you, you can't have that. you gotta, you got to be able to have an event where it does not necessarily, I mean, a five round fight between Askren and Lawler is huge. Um, and I, I throw in their names out and I, but you know, uh, Covington, Covington should be your heel. He should be able to headline a pay-per-view. You might not sell 300, 400,000 pay-per-view buys, but you're still making a profit. If you sell 150, I mean, it, sh- it shouldn't be worth canceling a event over and, and them all of a sudden acting like it's not UFC quality because historically it's not like every event's loaded. You know, I think the, I think Cyborg and Nunes, this upcoming event uh, on the 29th, I think that's almost wasted at this point. Nobody's talking about it. There's no promotion. It's probably the biggest woman's fight in the history of yeah, MMA. Yeah, that's like not that far away. You're right. <laughs> you know, and that could that could have easily headlined Anaheim. Uh, they're both, uh, you know, I, I think Nunes is Southern California. I know Cyborg is is right around here. They could have that could have easily headlined that event. Uh, Cyborg would have sold thousands and thousands of tickets for for the the honda center i mean that would have been so easy to do i think it was obviously a backup for if john jones screws up again which he could still do it's not we're, we still got what eight days nine days to it but yeah. i just is right around the corner you know, <laughs> I, 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 broken out man you know i i just feel like you they just do a they've done a horrible job of creating stars and and getting people's faces out there i just you know a guy like tj dillashaw i know they had to move him over to this thing I don't think the viewership is going to be great for another subscription thing. TJ Dillashaw is the kind of guy, you know, he should, he should be the face. Oh everywhere. yeah. They put him on Brooklyn. Yeah. You know, when I go, when I go to a gas station and there's a monster, there should be TJ Dillashaw. When you go to a UFC event, you should see TJ Dillashaw. The guy's a great champion. He's well-spoken. He's done nothing. You know, he's polite, at least publicly. I don't know behind the scenes, all the crap that goes on, but you know, it's just one of those things where these guys should be, you know, Eddie Alvarez should have been a, a huge name, you know, and I know he is to, us but not to the the girl who goes to the bar and used to know half the fighters on a ufc card 15 years ago you know it was just such a different and i know like you said there was less fights and that that's and that's the other thing it's like you move on to the next one you know nobody's nobody's sitting here analyzing you know let's say it was the first time you ever saw barboza fight Nobody's going back now and watching YouTube fights of Barboza to catch up on his previous 25 fights in his career. Everybody's going, okay, well, how am I going to watch UFC 229? You know, I mean, I, I just feel like you don't have that. It was, no, there, know, there's definitely no buzz around it. That's, that's, that's something good that you, that you brought it up. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, we're still talking about, uh, well, actually we didn't even talk about it. I mean, uh, we mentioned Al Iaquinta, but obviously he won the main event last weekend. I mean, I I feel like people more people should be talking about him and uh him and Ferguson or him and and uh and uh 
uh, whatchamacallit, because he wa- he said he wanted, because I know he made the argument that Connor wants a rematch with Khabib, but he wants, obviously, I know Connor and Khabib can't do anything until they're, uh, they're clear to their, their troubles, but I don't know, what do you guys, what do you guys think for light, well, lightweight's the hottest division in all of MMA, in my opinion, so I don't know, Nolan, what do you, what do you, what, what would you like to see for a, a, a main event 155 as far as cleaning up the top guys in that division? Yeah, I actually I posted a tweet that, uh, you know, I, I took seven of the top fighters and said, mix and match these guys, and you can add one name in that you would like to see as well. And, yeah, there are a lot of options. I mean, people are generating every combination possible uh, of, the, of the top, you know, eight or so names in the lightweight division. You couldn't really argue with with 90% of the, uh, the, the suggestions that I got. Uh, I think the no-brainer at this point right now, you have to do Habib and Tony Ferguson. I, if that fight, if they don't at least try to make that fight one more time, I, I don't know what I can say. I mean, both those, you know, there's not been a, a guy more deserving of a title shot right than Tony Ferguson. Uh, the guy's won a million fights in a row. He's beaten the who's who, and he's got history with Habib. It's a fight that we've had the buildup for three times and had yeah. it yanked away from us. So uh, let's, let's try it one more time. For, as far as the rest of the division, I mean, you got Connor, you've got, uh, you know, Nate Diaz, who I kind of put in like a category of their own where you can really argue, you can put them anywhere. You know, it, it, they're almost fights that while sometimes they do fall in the, um, you know, the rankings or title contention or title picture, they can, no matter who you put either of those guys against, it's going to, nobody's going to complain. And it probably would make sense. I mean, they, they, there's no guy, they, they could match them up with anybody in the top 10 and it would be a fine matchup. Um that being said, I mean, you start throwing Holloway's name in there. He's also kind of in that category where he doesn't necessarily fit in, but you can place him anywhere. Um, and then you got like the Gaethje's and the Barbosa's and the yeah. Quinta now. So, I mean, really that division and Poirier, I can't forget about him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm Connor Poirier, if that's what they're doing next, it seems like that's what they want. I would be fine with that. That's, that's a fight that's clear cut number one contender fight, in my opinion. Um, and then you got, like I said, the guys on the peripheral, like, like Gaethje, Barboza, Iaquinta, just mix and match them. You know, I, I don't think the division's so open right now. Uh, and so stacked that I I'm fine with any of those mix and match matchups. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at it right now, I guess just on a quick glance, I would, I, you know, Habib Ferguson, I would do McGregor. I would do McGregor Barboza. I think that would be a hell of a fun fight. I'd do Poirier Iaquinta. Uh, and then uh, then Gagey and and Lee. Um, and oh, that's then, actually really good. I like that. You know, and then and then <laughs> I know there's there's always been some bad blood right between Diaz and uh and Pettis. I I, I don't think they ever fought. No. Um, yeah. So I mean that right there. That's the way I I wouldn't reward Diaz. Um, you know, it looks like yeah. they got him ranked tenth right now, but I wouldn't reward him with any of those other things. The other guys sure. have fought fought way too much and. Too many guys have spilt way too much blood up there in the top of that division to to fall behind him. So that's kind of what I would do. I don't think they'll do McGregor Barboza. I think that would be possibly a disaster for Connor. Yeah. Um, but I feel like you know, I feel like as long as uh, Habib's champion, I don't think Connor gets it back. I think you got to prove you can beat a wrestler. And I don't know, you know, I guess if you did McGregor, I can't. Uh, but nobody nobody wrestles. The only people yeah. that wrestle really is is you know. The westlers are people like Askren and, and Habib and I mean certain guys who only wrestle. It, I these think, other guys uh, fall in love with punching. Yeah, no, you're you're right about falling in love with punching, but I also think when you step away from from this sport, especially with mixed martial arts, the 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 way the sport evolves, uh 
Like Connor, Connor was very good, and then he left to do this the the Mayweather McGregor thing, and now he got he came back, and and it's all he's got a bunch of tough fights that might they they may even be too tough for him versus when he left. You know, I don't know, I don't know if you agree with that, uh, Nolan, but but uh, you know, you know the way the way these, I mean, you've covered and interviewed so many young prospects, you can see these guys, you, you can spot a guy that's going to hold the title within five six years now. When you see these young guys coming out of the blue, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it was kind of funny you bring this up. I was actually talking the other day to somebody about, you know, what will McGregor's legacy be for what he did in the cage? I mean, obviously he transcended the sport as as you know, in, as a whole. You know, he had so, so much extracurriculars. Uh, he he brought a lot of eyes to the sport. He was exciting. He went on a title run. He won two belts first. You know, at the same time, at the same now he's in a position where. He's lost two out of his last four fights, and he arguably, you know, he doesn't have many easy matchups. There aren't many guys that I would that I would pin him against and say, you know, I feel very confident in picking Conor McGregor in this fight. So it's kind of interesting to see what how this is going to play out and how his legacy is going to be for his in cage abilities as well. Because you know he's gone from being a guy that you know was the double champ, unbeatable, you know, inside everybody's head, to a guy that has had you know. One title defense or no, no title defenses, excuse me. Uh, you know, and it's just it's kind of a confusing legacy. So this is definitely not this. This could make or break his legacy in terms of, you know, being an all time great fighter that we talk about as being, you know, a pound for pound great of all time. Uh, I think these next couple of fights, obviously, he's a tr- terrific fighter no matter what happens. But I'm talking about taking that step where people throw his name out there with the you know, the the John Jones or the Anderson Silvers or the Jose Aldos or the Dominic Cruises, you know, that type of a name. Yeah, I th- you know, it, it's just a tough, a tough thing. You know, I he beat a young Dustin Poirier. Poirier is obviously a huge improvement. He beat a young Holloway, you know, and those guys are top of the division. So you can't really you can't discredit Connor sure. for it. But at the same time, it's like he came along right at the per- it was a perfect storm for him, uh, especially at 145 um, coming up. Uh, I've been saying it though. I mentioned him fighting Akanta. If I could pick one fight for him, I think he deserves to give. Uh, if Aldo's willing to come up to 155, I think he deserves to give Jose Aldo another shot. No, um, I, I I think that's the one fight that um before he gets a rematch, Connor does. I think he deserves to give uh Aldo one. So if if Aldo's <laughs> able to beat Moicano. Um, and doesn't want and and wants to come to 155. That's the fight that I would make. And then if Connor's able to beat him at that point, just do whatever you got to do for the UFC to make money. If they want to give McGregor, Habib, or Ferguson, or whoever's the champ, that's fine. But I think he owes it to Aldo. Um, you know, especially now that I think McGregor's going to see how how quickly legacies can go. Um, I, I feel like he deserves to give all. You know, he. I feel like he would be begging for that opportunity if he was one punch KO'd. You know, in any yeah. of his fights, I mean, he's begging for an opportunity after getting slaughtered over four rounds. Um, it seems to me that you know he, he should give him that 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 chance and and at least put a final you know nail in the coffin of that that rivalry. Um, even though it was only nine or thirteen seconds, um, it was a talked about fight for for a long time before it happened. So I, I don't know, but I, to- um, I totally agree with you on that one. I, I I mean, if you would ask me a month after Aldo and McGregor fought at UFC 194. I would have never thought that I would want to see that fight again. Like I felt like it was real, you know, passing of the guard and we had all this build up and it lasted so quickly, but now it's like, you know, they're both like what I was saying earlier. They're both these guys that while they don't necessarily fit 
specifically in a certain place in their division, you can put them against anybody and nobody's going to complain. So uh, they might have, you know, meet in the crossroads here and, and, it's a fight that would make sense right now. You know, nobody could argue and say that the matchup doesn't make sense or, or you know, financially it doesn't make sense logistically or, or rankings wise or whatever you want to call it. So I would be totally, totally down to see that matchup right now. I can't believe I'm saying that, but it's so true, you know. Yeah. And not to mention, that's it's a it's a non-title fight that can headline a pay-per-view. Yeah, oh, Some, it would something, yeah. something that the UFC needs needs right now. I mean, Connor's one of their stars yeah. who's not a champion and and you know, as long as he's willing to fight, I think you really want to take advantage of that to help fill fill in these cards. So, yeah. but but like Poirier's not the same guy. Holloway's not the same guy. You know, obviously, uh, uh, Dustin Poirier got his black belt after his loss to uh, Conor McGregor. So obviously, his submission game is up. He's obviously he's obviously evolved as an as a mixed martial artist. Same goes for Holloway. Uh, what was that? I think I forgot how many years ago the fight was, but uh, Conor still does the same five thing. Years. Like, like yeah, five years. So 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 we know we Connor like if you watch a Connor McGregor fight everybody knows oh he's got the left straight he does a low kick to to make you drop your hands you know what I mean he he's got a decent sprawl he drills very well um he, especially if he knows your attack chain like he he drills that very well um but I don't see I don't see him doing anything new like these guys have you know what I mean like they, they I I just feel like uh I feel like if they run it back especially if him and Poirier run it back I I wouldn't be I mean. Connor was the underdog against Khabib. I, I I would think the the odds would be different if in a rematch between them two. Yeah, and even even like like you said, like offensively, you know, you know McGregor's tendencies, you know what his game plan is, but you also I feel like his aura of uh, you know invincibility that he had when he fought Poirier, that he was the guy that calls all his shots, and you know you got to take him at face value because he's never been wrong. That's kind of out the window too. You know, he, he breathes and he gets hurt and he. He taps out to a tight neck crank as much as anybody else would. So I think there's yeah. a certain amount of confidence that would would go, especially with Poirier, who was openly saying after the fight that McGregor was, you know, had real estate inside his head. So I think that there's a lot of truth to what you just said. Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing is mentally. Uh, Poirier was still kind of a younger fighter. I know he had he had been known, um, but he was a name at the time. It was probably the biggest name Connor had fought. Um, up until that point, but it, to me, it's like since then he's been through some just um, unbelievable wars. He's pushed his body to the to the brink. I just feel like it's more of a mental thing. Where the first fight with Connor, you know, it, it's not completely fresh in my mind, but I feel like it was kind of like he got beat up a little bit and like he just kind of checked out of the fight. Um, I, it was a TKO finish, but it just seemed like you know, and Connor hit him. Don't get me wrong, but it was it was kind of a fight where you walked it when it ended for me. I remember being disappointed, kind of in Poirier's performance, thinking like that's not he's got more in him than that. We we've even in earlier in his career we had seen it in some of his fights. Um, so I just think mentally now you he knows where he can go where he can go. I think the same thing with Max. Um, Max was a young fighter, probably, you know, he's won 13 in a row. Now you can't, you, that confidence and that level of, of assuredness that you're going to get through anything he throws at you. He might, you, you know, you might be on, you know, limping across the ring or bouncing around like Fedor Fujita, but you, you have that confidence that you're going to regroup yourself and um and and come back in a fight and you're never going to give up and i i think we've seen that certainly out of poria i mean the wars he's been in with gagey and, and alvarez twice so i'd love to see it you know i think the ufc's dropping the ball huge if they don't do woodley uh, covington i just feel like that the hype for that fight and the smack talk between the two of them um i i think they're dropping the ball if they try to do usman 
Um, I, I think you're losing, you're dropping a chance at really kind of a super fight and, you know, not a super fight in the sense that we're used to, but um, a fight that's been built up and, and, and could do real well and, and would be a fun fight for, mm-hmm. for, for anybody who's really kind of followed their saga. So. And it's an earned fight. You know what I mean? It's not like uh, Covington, he talked more. So he's skipping over the top three contenders to get this shot. Like this is a fight he earned, you know, he was the interim champion and, and it makes sense on the financial side. And a lot of people want to see it. So if they drop the ball on this man, I'll be more disappointed than I've been in a long time. Though. Yeah. I mean, it just quickly, I got the rankings up here. Then you get to middleweight real quick. And obviously we got the, the, the Gaslam and, uh, and Whitaker fight. That division's kind of in a weird, weird place because Romero's number one contender, but you can't really, you're not really going to do Romero Whitaker three at any point. We kind of get this BS rumor of uh, Adesanya and and Silva. If Silva wins, he gets a title shot. Obviously, that's not earned. Um, it's a career lifetime achievement award, um, like we've seen with some other fighters. But that that division seems kind of in a really weird, weird place with with Weidman's losses and and uh, I mean Jacare, I guess, is the number one, but. He's got his loss to Romero. That's always going to be there. And, and, and I don't know. Where, where do you see that division going? I mean, personally, I think this is an example of why super fights should be held until they're at a point where they're absolutely needed because the middleweight division was thriving when Michael Bisping first won the belt. Yeah. And, you know, his, his holding the belt and doing the Dan Henderson, you know, not really a super fight, but a fight outside of the, uh, the norm. And it then was the, life, the lifetime achievement. It's basically right, the exactly. same thing we would get. And then with he does the super Silver. fight with GSP. And it just all the contenders like round robined each other, you know, eliminating yeah. people for years in advance of, well, he beat him and he beat him in a title shot. So who are we going to give it to? So it's in kind of a weak spot right now. I'm hoping that it rebounds. You know, Adesanya, obviously a fresh face that will, if he beats Silva and they want to give him a shot, that extends you know, six more months where these guys, the rest of the division can kind of figure things out. But I mean, we've got Chris Weidman, who's pretty much, you know, on the, the, the just declining through the rankings. Uh, we got Gaslam who's getting his title shot. Jacare, like you said, still has the loss to Romero, but Romero has two losses to Whitaker. So it, it's really a tough spot right now. You know, I think people always like to dump on the heavyweights and light heavyweights saying that, oh, it's a kind of a shallow division, but in terms of the title picture right now, middleweight's kind of creeping up there, and I'm, I'm hoping things change to where it doesn't get to that point. Do you think? Uh, uh, do you think a dominant champion like that with a string of wins fixes the the division? Um, I think it could certainly help. Uh, we've seen instances where it's hurt as well. Um, I mean, in, in general, like I think having a champion that holds a belt for a long period of time usually is beneficial. But then you start running into problems like you know Demetrius Johnson where how many times can you see him fight Joseph Benavidez, you know, or Ronda Rousey where, you know, I know the home fight obviously did huge for them, but before that it was getting to the point where it was like clockwork, where it was like, Oh, Alexis Davis, you know, things like that. So I think you got to find the happy medium. Um, I think a strong division with a, with a champion that continues to win is obviously the, the ideal scenario. Cause you can always have, you know, and that's what, like when McGregor, if, if he had stuck around at featherweight or if he had, uh, you know, kept his belt at lightweight, we would have been having that issue now where, you know, you, you start having these matchups. You had you could have done Frankie versus Connor. You know, you could have done Max versus Connor the rematch. You could have done a number of different fights. So I think yeah. that's you got to find the happy medium. But as we know in MMA, most times things aren't perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, sure. we're kind of that's kind of where the, the light heavyweight division has been kind of weird because obviously you have you have uh, you have DC right now and, and and Jones ran that division forever and now Jones is coming back. 
uh, further the real title, right? They're stripping DC of the belt as soon as that bell rings, correct? With uh, with Gustafson and, and Jones. So yeah. if so if if Jones wins that, then the light heavyweight division is the same thing. I mean, I feel like we're gonna. I feel like Jones might end up hiding in a division where he's uh, fighting Latifi, and I mean, yeah. I mean, the Anthony Smith is no joke, but I don't know if we're at a place where we can really put him. He's got, you know, I don't know. I, he's right there, but yeah, you know, it, you, an Anthony Smith, John Jones pay per view. Although it's John Jones, seems like a weird. It just seems like that division's just, yeah. you know, to you me, know, to, me hey, to me, Jones to com- has Jones has to go to heavyweight if he wants to really continue yeah. a, a, a dominant legacy as far as building a resume, at least. Sure, yeah, and I was going to say to com- to kind of piggyback off of something we were just saying. If I'm one of these top middleweights that is kind of backed into a corner right now, like Weidman or Rockhold or Chakra, I might think about trying to move up to 205. I mean, I have the name recognition. Uh, you know, one win against a, a ranked fighter would probably break me into the top 10. Um, yeah. That's something that I would consider if, if I'm one of those guys. Like, Rockhold has had tough, tough cuts. Weidman hasn't had easy cuts. Um, they've both talked about 205 in the past. So maybe maybe we'll see one of those names move up and, uh, you know, try to try to – use their, their, their name recognition and their, the promotability to get some big fights and get some big wins and get, get a title shot. It seems to be working for Santos, Tiago yeah. Santos, now, num- exactly. now number seven in that division. And I don't think he yeah. ever broke the top 10 at middleweight or he might yeah. only think he broke the top 12 or 13. So, right. No, he, he, he said, yeah, he actually said that one, one of his, not, not the most recent win, but I think like, like uh, the last fight after he said that the weight class is definitely his weight class now. But um, and we're coming close to the end of the hour here. Um, I just want—I know I said I wanted to ask both of you guys. I mean, for 2019, is there something you want to see go away, or something you're looking for you you'd like to see from from the sport as a whole? Like me personally, I'd like to see less, or probably not even hear about interim title fights anymore. Uh, I, I think there should be a different way to fix it. But uh, I don't know. What what what, what do you guys? Uh, what's your what's your Christmas wish for 2019? For the my sport of my Christmas play. wish for 2019 is that I hope ESPN comes in and they surprise everyone with making the pacing a little bit better. You know, kind of grabbing it by the horns. We don't. We understand that you know you don't have to to put 12 fights all in a row so your program only lasts two hours. At the same time, if they came in and they limited it even an hour, you know, short it down 45 minutes, I think that a lot of people would have a much more positive reaction to the fight nights that usually last. You know. Yeah, God knows how long. So that's my wish. I hope I'm hoping that ESPN. We already. I don't know if you guys checked it, but the uh, first few ESPN events are actually listed at all different times. Yeah. So like the the first one's listed at ten, which is normal. But then there's the four laser cards listed to start at eight Eastern, and then the one after it, the one in Phoenix, it's going to be on big ESPN, is listed at nine o'clock. So I think they're experimenting a little bit to see maybe what the with the viewership and stuff. So hopefully they can. They can, uh, you know, yeah. maximize our enjoyment during these cards and make it a little bit easier for us East Coasters to watch. Yeah, man. What about you, Matt? Oh, uh, well, it's January 26th. is 2019, right? So Fedor winning the, <laughs> world, the, Fedor winning the Bellator uh, Heavyweight Championship would probably be one of the highlights of in 25 years of following the sport. For yeah. me, considering the, uh, where he was down at one point. 
I had um, a feeling you're gonna you're gonna open with that. <laughs> you know, I mean, if I if I had a perfect story, I would say that this uh, this Ryzen event goes off. Uh, Japan MMA really picks up, gets behind Ryzen. I know they're talking about doing 12 events a year. I'd like to see Fedor win the Grand Prix and then somehow get down to a matchup with Crow Cop in a double retirement fight. <laughs> you, the the open weight Grand Prix champion from from Ryzen against uh, against Fedor in, in a in a double retirement match, uh, maybe next New Year's Eve, uh, right yeah. before the year ends, and uh, the the glitter comes from the sky, and, you know, <laughs> and 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 maybe it ends maybe it ends in a yeah. draw, and 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 you know I don't know, but double something like that. <laughs> you know, for me for me the Japanese MMA scene is something that I've you know yeah. always loved, and and when it's not here, it feels like we're missing a, a part of the sport that really could add a. Even if you don't take it seriously, the entertainment value that it can lend is is something that I think is is really needed in, in a yeah. time when when events can be cookie cutter and, and yeah. stuff like that. So that, that that would that would be my wish that that Ryzen takes off, Fedor wins the Grand Prix. Shout out to Lee Daly, <laughs> Pride Fall the Fall of Pride book. If you haven't read it, pick it up. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, Nolan. Before we uh, we 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 uh, close the show, why don't you just let us know where we can read all your stuff and and uh, where to follow you and all that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can follow me at MMA underscore Kings on Twitter. Um, you can follow my work at Flow Combat and Tapology. Uh, we're doing a lot of big things on Flow Combat. That's where my breaking news is going now. Uh, I'll be doing a lot of prospect features going into to 20, uh, 2019. And then uh, as far as Tapology goes, um, look for Tapology to, I know it's, it's, it's been building and building and building and it seems like the site's expanding, but I think we've really only scraped the surface of the, the features that you guys are going to be able to see in 2019. I think there's, uh, the, the two guys in charge, uh, Steve Kelleher and, and Greg Sachs have a lot in store. They're, they're thinking every day on how to make the site better. And I think, uh, come a year from now, we'll be talking again, I'm sure. And, uh, we'll be able to talk about, uh, you know, a lot of changes that we made that, that, that impacted the MMA community in a positive way. So, uh, that's where you can find my work, and I appreciate you guys having me on. I always love chatting with you both, and uh, I, will I be seeing you, Mohegan Ed? I hope so. Okay, <laughs> man, I'll so. be there. I'll be there if you're there. All right, <laughs> all right, uh, Matt. Uh, why don't you uh, shut it down for us? Yeah, everybody can follow us at Combat Hour on Twitter. Follow myself at MMA Hawk uh, Twenty One on hit Twitter and Instagram. You can follow Ed at Carbazal on Twitter and at Carbeerzal on Instagram. Um, obviously, next Tuesday is Christmas. Uh, we're looking to record with uh, one of our uh, BJJ gurus, uh, Ray Robles, uh, and get that out next week. He really wants to go over the uh, the No Gi Worlds uh, that took place this past weekend, and uh, he's got a ton he wants to talk about in the world of uh, jiu-jitsu. So look forward to uh, getting that out next week for everybody right after the holidays. Um, until then, if I don't talk to you guys, have a great Christmas. Christmas and uh and especially you Nolan have a great New Year's Thank and uh too, let's hope we're all talking on Twitter watching uh rising <laughs> on the zone for $9.99 a month. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Peace. Hey y'all, East Coast Ed here. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can be a monthly supporter for as little as 99 cents a month. This podcast will always be free, but if you help Matt and I out for future episodes, supporters will be shouted out on the show, and large supporters will be randomly selected to do predictions for a big pay-per-view event in the future. So please click the support tab and enjoy the show.